Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are podcasters united to condemn the tragic murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and many, many others at the hands of police. This is a continuation of the systemic racism pervasive in our country since its inception, and we are committed to standing against racism in all its forms. We believe that to be silent is to be complicit. We believe that Black lives matter. We believe that Black lives are more important than property. We believe that we have a responsibility to use our platforms to speak out against this injustice whenever and wherever we are witness to it. In creating digital media, we have built audiences that return week after week to hear our voices. We will use our voices to speak against anti-Blackness and police brutality. We encourage our audiences to be educated, engaged, and to take action. One. Donate a portion of your show proceeds, or you can independently donate to any of these organizations. George Floyd Memorial Fund, Minnesota Freedom Fund, Black Visions Collective, Campaign Zero, Black Lives Matter, Minneapolis NAACP Branch. All links in the show notes. Or you can sign a petition by texting Floyd, F-L-O-Y-D, to number 55156 to demand justice for George Floyd or sign up at Color of Change to be notified of more opportunities to take action. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to She Podcasts, the podcast. I am Jessica Kupferman, one of the... Wait, aren't I? What's so funny? Well, of course, and you just said she podcast. She podcast the, the podcast. podcast instead of she podcast the musical. She podcast the TV show. No, but it yeah, was like, I mean, I love. I was it. trying to be because now we're gonna well, like we're building some other stuff. So this is she podcast the podcast. That's right. This is you're correct. She podcast the podcast. Correct. Yes, I am one of the original co-hosts of the show, Jessica <laughs> Coverman. With me, the other original co-host of the show. Elsie Escobar and our producer Woo-hoo! who came oh, a little gee, later than originally. Yes. Um, our producer, John Jamingo. Hello. Hello. We are the originals or we are the OG of the podcast. You have to introduce the show as if people are hearing it for the very first time because as podcasts grow, podcasting grows, people listen more. You can't just assume everyone knows who you are just because you've been doing this show for six years, which is what we did for the first five years. No, I get that. It so, was the funny part no, I'm was, telling the audience. Oh, oh, oh I'm not okay. telling you. I know you get it. I'm so confused. Oh, my God, you guys. Yeah, we all, I think we all I think Jess is just trying to be very like open hearted and very welcoming to people to listen to the show and explain. But I think what was so funny is that you're like, what did you say about the co-host? Like, I'm the original. Original. I am, 
I am one of the original co-hosts. One of the... Okay, well, see, that sounds as if there's others that have been around. There have been guests. Yes, but like, what, five? Possibly five. Yeah. <laughs> and were they ever co-hosts? But, you know, I feel that as our show ages, people should know if this is the first episode they listen to, okay, yeah. that we've been here the whole time. That's right. I'm Jessica Kufferman, and I've been here the whole time. This is Elsie. She's been here the whole time. That's right. If you go to number one, we will both be there. We won't be as talented, but we'll both be there. Correct. <laughs> and our audio will not be nearly as good. Yeah. We have children that actually embody how long we've been doing this. Yeah, that's true. Because is- I was pregnant. That's right. When it started. Isn't that insane that you see, like, that's how old she podcast is. You could just look at your son. And now that little motherfucker is going into kindergarten. Can you believe that? <laughs> I can't believe it myself. I say that because we've been now quarantined together for three months. Yeah, that's right. I have a very good friend. She's a little crazy. But my friend Holly is starting a podcast. She's a personal stylist. She's Holly from Raleigh. She's a camp friend from when I went to girls, not girls, when I went to Jew camp when I was a kid. So we slept next to each other, not in the same bed, but like bunk to bunk, you know, like that. Anyway, she's a very good friend of mine. She's a personal stylist. She started her own podcast and her first episode is with a friend who lives in Maine. She's in Atlanta. The content's really good. They're funny, but he doesn't have a microphone. He has no microphone. Like it sounds exactly the way it sounded like when I used Blue Snowball and would forget to turn it on, right? Like her audio is perfect. He sounds like he's in a tin can and she was like, So does that mean I have to redo it? And I was like, no, don't redo it. It sounds great. Just put it out. (laughs) She was like, but you can't hear him. And I was like, no, you can't hear him. But if you listen to my first episode, you'll realize nothing is perfect until episode like 100. So just go with it. (laughs) Just send it on out there. She's like, cool, because that's like the fifth time we did it. (laughs) I was like, okay, good. So the, uh, the question to Holly from Raleigh. Is that Wilkes head co-host get a microphone or does he decide is this going to? She sent him one. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Oh, that's good. Yeah. She sent him a setup. I mean, she bought the setup that I have. I think even the road. She might have gotten the 30, the new PR 30th. I think they did some changes to Whoa. it. Oh, great. So I think she sent him. Yeah. Okay. I think she sent him one as well. Yes. How exciting. So, oh, I like I know. it. I like it. On a side note, if everyone wants a personal stylist that talks like this, please let me know she's available. She's not nice. She's very mean about your closet, but sometimes people need to hear the truth, not smoke up their ass. Okay, so it's clothing. I thought like personal stylists would like teach you how to. She's a personal stylist. I think her show is, originally it was called I Can't Unsee That. (laughs) It's a great title. And I think we changed it. Hold on. Do we change it to something else that's equally as mean, but still funny? That's pretty good. I can't unsee that. (laughs) Yeah. You can't see that. It is good. Fashion Crime, the podcast about crimes against style and how to avoid them. That's great. Because I thought she can also pick up some true crime people by accident. (laughs) Because that's a really popular Because you always want to do that. We could change this show's name to what? We should call it Business and Murder. (laughs) (laughs) We should call it Joe Rogan's Business and Murder Variety Show. Oh, my God. How to Murder a Podcast. Had a murder podcast with someone that looks like Joe Rogan, and it would be perfect. Oh my god! On fire. <laughs> yeah, capitalizing on the yeah. Oh my god, it's pretty pathetic. Speaking of capitalizing on terrible things, we have a lot of stuff to talk about today. Yeah. Now that I've 
made everything silly. We have to like, we got to take it down a notch. We got to turn the beat down. Turn the beat. Turn it around. We got to turn the beat around. Well, I reached out to Jess like last Saturday, and I think it was Saturday. Possibly, yeah, I think it was Saturday. I was like, I don't know if I can record on Monday. I don't have words. I actually didn't feel like podcasting. I don't want to podcast. Everything that's been going on in the world, for those of you who possibly might be listening that maybe at a, in a future time, like you don't know what's happening right now. This is like mid, well, kind of almost mid-June, I guess. When this episode goes live, it's going to be mid-June 2020. That's insane. Just saying that. And the past couple of weeks um, have been a of great turmoil, racial and civil unrest throughout the entire country. Many, many things coming to a head. Traumatic murders on in video form that keep constantly coming in our timelines and have really, I think, brought a lot of pain to the surface of this entire country and actually to the world because I've seen how it's affected the entire planet. Given all of what was happening and, and me being so far apart, because I think that that was really hard for it is that I live in like a little bubble and I'm sort of removed from the world itself. Like it's I don't, I don't, when I look outside my window, I only, I see trees. I see, you know, beautiful things. And it made me feel incredibly isolated and, and kind of like not knowing what to do or what to say. But the violence that I've seen, particularly against the black people, the black community has been just astounding and terrifying and deeply unsettling. Yeah, depressing. Frustrating. All, yes, it, it's been horrible. Helplessness-inducing, right. stress-encountering. Yep. And which at the same and time... And angry, angry-making. Angry like, making. it makes me furiously angry to see what I've seen. Not just George Floyd. But I had to go back and find out what happened to Amy Cooper because that was during a time when I wasn't paying attention to the news. Right. And Chris, Amy and Christian Cooper, the woman who threatened to call the police and say there was an African-American man threatening me. That just makes me fucking furious. All of it. I think one of the biggest things, though, is the fact that this was possibly one of the because this happens like in, in waves, like it feels like, you know, there's like a feeling of this and, and it's been happening through the entire life of this world, I think. But my privilege is to be able to get incensed and angry and then... And then make just, dinner like nothing's and happening. And then go make dinner. Yeah, and you forget about it and it's... The world helps you forget about it. My physical location, my geography, where I am, like all of those little things, it just helps me forget. And this is one of those times when I have seen that it's really embedded itself, that it is a daily thing that we all need to work on, anti-racism, being able to see the things that we do every day that add to the systemic problems of the United States and the world. And particularly recognizing how my culture has really embedded that as well. It was really interesting to see those conversations between the Latino population coming to the United States. And there was an article about Latinos. Oh, I don't remember the way that it was phrased, something like riding on the coats of Black America or, or we owe everything to Black America. I don't remember what it was, but it was a really poignant article because because they built everything that we currently have. Right. And but use, what I'm right? saying for Latinos, for the immig for the immigrant folk like me coming to this country, that coming to this country, that there were already some conversations happening as well, and also the fault that we have 
Yeah, as a Latin American countries in general, particularly my own country, how we idolize anything that's European and white. And the way that that's really, again, embedded in our culture and every single aspect of it. And I forgot um, who I was talking to. I've had so many conversations, but very distinct conversations that my grandmother used to have. My grandmother was very, very dark skinned. She was very brown, super brown and sweetest woman. I mean, so many people came to her funeral like she was loved and beyond everything. But I knew that there must have been something. I mean, later on, must have been something about the way she reacted to me because her little child was, you know, green eyes, light skin. And all she would do all day long was get out of the sun. I don't want you to get black. And that's what she would say to me all the time. She would have Farrah Fawcett shampoo. And then she would have the shampoo like next to me when we were, when she was giving me a bath. And I remember her pointing out Farrah Fawcett as, as somebody to be like. And I was like, oh, neat. And, but I, and, and even as, at that age, I was like, but she has blonde hair and I don't. But it was, <laughs> to be fair, a glorious hairdo. She, glorious. It was. It was, yes. But I she just, had was glorious just like, hair. Right. Yes, absolutely. I get that. But in these tiny little things, and I'm sure she didn't do it consciously, but I'm sure she was doing it because she must have gone through something. I never got a chance to speak to her about this because she passed away when I was in my early 20s. But I really remember that. And I remember going, why is she telling me not to be black? Because uh, number one, there are no black people in El Salvador, like zero, maybe one. When she said that to me, because I had no understanding of what that even was i imagined like black like the color yes like as in someone had colored you with a marker like the sun could possibly make you marker color black and yes. then it would not look nice yes and so i was like oh that's weird and i was like how is that even possible so i i, I had no concept but given that though i mean all of that stuff that's embedded inside of our culture it's really horrible for me to see the privileges, I think, that I've gotten simply because I'm having to look the way that I do, right? We happen to have gotten political asylum at a time when that wasn't being given out, right? I was happened to be taken to special classes or in little things like that when I was in school because I happened to look the way that I looked, that I had my long, broad, like hair, and then my eyes were green. Those green eyes get you places. And I didn't know that. It was huge. Everybody comments on my eyes. And I hope your little girls have your eyes. But it's it's because of the fact that the European thing is so desired. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know any of this stuff. It was just privilege that I had. All the time. You get in because of this. I feel like we need to have racism confession. Race <laughs> because that's the thing that I have reflected on the most since you called me last week and we had to start facilitating conversation in the group and it made me, you know, we started doing research and reading and it made, it sort of forces you to think about all the times you've inadvertently been racist or been put in a position where racism was part of the game. Like jobs I've been in where it's been pointed out to me that these people are not going to tip as well as these people. Right. And my very first job was a call center customer service rep. And I mean, I could literally, as soon as I heard the person's voice, I could guess one of three things they were calling about just based on race, not religion. Anyone who was a person of color, not just black. If it was an Indian sounding person, I could say, oh, they're calling about this. If it was an Asian sounding person, they're calling about that. It's kind of terrible because 
There's a reason why those things are the things they're calling about. And that is the thing that I've been thinking about all this time that I was so stupid, right? And then it's like, I never thought about why that would be the thing they would be calling about, that the credit's overextended or they can't catch up or something happened that wouldn't have happened to someone like me. Because every situation, I feel like I also had neighbors that were Haitian growing up. And like, was there anything about that that was happening with my parents that I don't even know about? I know I was never allowed in their house. I think I went in their house one time in five years. She came in my house all the time. Claudine was always allowed in my house, but I was never allowed in hers. I don't know why. I don't remember. But, you know, there's just stuff like that where it's just like how ingrained this is. Like, it really is. When I used to hear black people say, like, this is in your DNA. Like, that's how it feels now to me. I have now inherited everyone else's opinions about what people of color are supposed to be like. And I can now gamble on it like a bet, but never to think about, like, why that was the way it was. It's just weird because I don't believe those things. And yet I do. I don't. But I do. Does that make sense? We're set up to have deeper conversations for sure and to see what, in terms of behavior, what we're doing to add to it. That is the topic of the day is how does right. podcasts contribute to a world that was not set up to help black people succeed? And then how can we reverse it so that we can help them be more successful or give them more of a leg up than other people who don't need as much of a leg up without assuming they need a leg up, which is also a touchy thing. Yeah. And part of it is that, you know, we can speak about a lot of this stuff personally. And I think that I have to say that for everybody that possibly is here live or maybe listening later, that a lot of these conversations that you have owning up to the times that you have done these things, right? That's one step, like you doing your own internal work, questioning yourself, feeling shame, doing something about it, educating yourself, like all of those things to be an anti-racist human is one thing. But I think that the bigger conversation that Jess and I wanted to bring to the table today is the fact that we really took this to heart in the way that Trudy LeBron, we took a, a workshop from her, which is which is a diversity inclusion workshop. And she really talked about how the system is set up to be racist. Do you want me to go to that graphic so I can show it? Because I thought that graphic was very powerful. Which one? The equity equality equity. one? Yes. But one of the things that she was talking about is how... I found it. I got it. Oh, you found it? Okay, cool. So like the generally speaking, everything that's been laid out in the way that we do business, the way that we set up organizations, the way that transportation is set up and all of that stuff is in somehow there's an inherent racism to the way that the system has been set up. And we have to actively look at it because there are some of these things, these systems aren't inherently... How would I say they're not human? So they don't have feelings. It's not like they decided to do this because they're a structure. But if you see the image that you in front of us, how there's like three children and they're all the children are all the same size. But if you look at the ground, one part of the ground is higher for one kid, lower for another one and then lower for the another one. And then there's a fence in front of them. And the fence also has a, a like um a diagonal kind of uplift to one of them. So not only are they starting out lower, but the obstacles are so much greater. Right. Right. So in order to find equity versus equality, right, because we're, we're not going to give everybody the same box in order for them to look over this window because one of the kids is not going to be able to do it. It has nothing to do with his capacity, 
his intelligence, none of those things. It has to do with the structure of the way that it's built, the outside. And this is also a demonstration of what happens when you say, I don't see color or we're all the same or we're all equal. Yes, we all get one box, but it's not equal. It's not equal because of the way everything has been set up to give black people a hard time. And so we really want to, and and we're actively doing this, looking at the structure, the organizational structure of She Podcasts in the smallest bit, like by recognizing that having difficult conversations in a large group that don't have to do with podcasting is actually important. This was something that both Jess and I were very adamant against before, particularly because we're always like, it's about podcasting. It's about podcasting. We got to stick to podcasting. And, And for the most part, we've been able to, we've done that and it seemed in alignment with what we were doing. But we did see the value of being able to facilitate difficult conversations in ways that we can learn from each other, from other people's languages, the use of their words, their lived experience, offering education, try this and in a kind way to be able to kind of work around that so that we can all learn. And in order for to do something like that, Jess and I had to make some choices that we hadn't made in the past because in all honesty, we're overwhelmed at times. We have too much to do already. And we kind of go like, Ugh, I don't know how to like that. I think that's I guess the encompassing. When it comes to being a successful business, we're very behind in some important steps. We yes. don't have a proper reliable stream of income yet, which we're building this year. And we don't have a proper reliable staff that can go in and out. And so as a result, a lot of the times Elsie and I make decisions based on bandwidth, not necessarily what's best for the group. And exactly. And one of those decisions up until last week has been, we only discuss podcasting and things related to podcasting in our group, because this is a group that's supposed to support podcasters, not where you're supposed to talk about the president or racism or abortion or this and that. But last week, it just kind of became more clear that racism is not politics. Right. It's totally different. It's not a political issue. It should not be made a political issue. It's a humanitarian issue. And therefore, it should be discussed. Because we need to know how to proceed with our shows in times like this. We need to know what to say, what not to say. Those are important things that I think podcasters, if you're using your voice properly, you need to know how to do it in these situations. Right. So that anyway, so that attitude I, was a mistake. I felt terrible once I learned that it was probably not the right thing to do to keep it just to one topic. It's just tone deaf. And part of it is being able to learn about it and to sit with it and, you know, fight it. I mean, if you have that feeling of like, I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. To be able to be open to give your whatever it is that you're thinking and at the same time receive new information and consider that information as a possibility And I think both of us sat with that and how best to do that. And I think in being in full transparency, just like, you know, what Jess was talking about, that we made a lot of decisions based on bandwidth. One of the reasons we hadn't really reached out to too many admins is just like, oh, I just didn't want to really deal with that right now. And also thinking like, I'm going to deal with it in the morning. And I realized that in order for us to have these difficult conversations, we needed to have moderators. We needed to have somebody in there that was going to help us because we needed to sleep. Right? Yes. Someone has to sleep. And and sometimes we need to not be in the group because the group, as beautiful as it is, it's not making us money. 
We have jobs. We have other things that we have to work on there and that, that we actually have to do. Also, they should be able to dissent without our intrusion. Like they should be able to say, I think the admins should do X, Y, and Z, knowing full well that we won't be in there until 7 a.m. Right. Like if there's something that needs to be said, they need to be able to air that to a moderator and not to you and I. We, we shouldn't, we can't be the mommy and daddy anymore the way we were when it was a smaller group. Right. And also the other thing is though, is that we were totally a detached mommy and daddy. It was like mommy and daddy without babysitters. Like we just left the kids yes. with the key at home and we just left yes. and we would come yes. back and go like, how was everybody? But there was no babysitter. Did everyone sleep? Did, Did you guys eat okay? junk food? Yeah. <laughs> And so it was really, it was challenging. And these conversations also have another aspect added to it, that it's not like you can look at a conversation and immediately go like, that's wrong. You know, some of the groups that we have, like no self-promotion or only promote your latest episode on Windbag Wednesday, that's very cut and dry. If you don't post it there, your post is gone. That's incredibly clear. But these conversations, the reason they're called like you need to moderate them is because you have to have, an, number one, an internal understanding of what the community is, what the community stands for, what the leaders want, meaning the, like the, the head people. They're like, what is, how are they infusing that in themselves to carry that out? And from then on, they also have to have an internal compass that aligns with ours in some way, right? We're not just going to get some random people who just want to moderate the group just because they said they wanted to. Some of the women that we have, thank God they stepped up and they helped me out, are people that I have known for a long time. I get a sense of who they are as people. And they've been, and I laid out, you know, these are some things that I want you guys to take a look at. These are some things that are important to us. This is how I want you to handle these kinds of conversations. And if you have a question or a problem, please tag us. And thankfully, there has been, for the most part, not too crazy a time in there. But it's still very heated and it requires hands-on. It's not like you, you know, I was just thinking like, give the baby bourbon. (laughs) <laughs> my observation is that everyone's been respectful, but that could also be because we had moderators to delete what wasn't respectful that I didn't right. see. And, and there has been some times when that has happened, but at the same time I was tagged. So I see that it hasn't been a huge issue. Something that Trudy was also talking about in her workshop, again, she kept using the word explicit and it really landed for me because we keep using the word explicit in podcasting in the way that you label a show because you're using profanity or... The discussion is like, ooh, about, you know, sex. Oh, my God. That's how we use the term. But usually what she was doing here is that you have to be explicit, meaning super clear. Specific. Very clear, very specific, very on point about where and what you stand for and how you do that and what actions are taken when it doesn't happen. And when doing that, we realized that we had a very – clear intention, but we weren't explicit. So it's kind of like saying, everybody bring your the best desserts. And then we just let all the desserts come. But then we realize, wait, I only want chocolate things because there's no fruit. There's like, yeah, something like that. But it's like done. And but yeah, but then we can tell people and then they can come in and go like, well, you said bring desserts. And I was like, well, uh, I wasn't clear, right? Maybe I don't want anything that's not gluten free. Because I prefer those, whatever. So like to make sure that I need gluten-free desserts, you have to be mindful about using gluten-free stuff or use organic food. That's what I would say. Like use organic ingredients and try to keep it gluten-free, please. 
when you're bringing me your desserts. If you can't be that explicit with it and own it, then you're going to have fluctuations in there, right? Because people may or may not understand what that's like um, or the space in the group anyway. So we're working on that. I think with Trudy's, and I keep mentioning that, and we'll put a link in the show notes, with Trudy's um, session is that something that she kept mentioning and something that really also landed is that being able to look at the systems of oppression that have been already been laid out in society, it's not about you immediately fixing it all and now you're not. It's about what she called fluency. So she mentioned that you become fluent. It's kind of like learning a language. And so you begin the process of look at filtering of at minimum being conscious of even being able to ask the question, how is it that we are not getting uh, a more diverse, you know, speakers to apply? Like, where is that missing piece? Right. That's what people are doing in the group all day long. I want to amplify black voices. Who here is black? Which also, by the way, is bothering the hell out of me. There's two edges that I see that I see like for me, it would be I would love to ask our whichever diverse community we have going on at the time and saying, are you okay with people asking for the? Is this something that would be helpful? Because if it is, I'm all for keeping it happening. The other aspect. I think they should research. Don't make black people raise their hand. They have enough going on. Right. But there might be some people who do want to offer that up. I'm just saying. But I was going to say that the second thing is is exactly what Jess said. You can do your own research. Research. There's tons of posts in there. Oh, my God. There are so many. At this moment, there are so many podcasts of color. In fact, if you open almost any app on your phone, there's all kinds of black voices being featured. And Marco Arment, who is the creator of Overcast, contacted Barry from Podcast in Color So now he has pulled in her entire directory so that it's being put out via Overcast. Mind you, it's the same thing as if somebody's pulling from, um, you know, Apple Podcasts. I'm not sure how he laid laid it out in the back end, by the way. But it's something that's so easy, right? And there's so many hashtags. And part of it is that you're not going to sit. It's like I feel this is what really irritates me, Jess. It's sort of like people are sitting in their house and they're like, can somebody bring me some water? Can I have some tea? Go get it yourself. No, it's worse because it's like, I just found out I should be drinking lemon juice. Does anyone have any lemon trees? Right. That they could bring me some lemon juice. All of a sudden, everyone's having lemon juice and I don't know where to get lemon juice or lemons. Right. So could someone just bring me the lemons and the squeezer and, and show me how to make the juice? It's Please. just like that. Yeah. No. And I also think, not to speak for people of color, but like my news, like BuzzFeed specifically, is bombarding with here are all the amazing black authors, here are all the amazing black movies, here are all the amazing black beauty companies. And it's like, this is all very nice. But are you also internally seeing like, where have you not promoted people that you could promote? Who is on your board of directors? Is it diverse enough? Is your C executive level team diverse? Like, it's very nice that I know now, which I knew before, by the way, that Pat McGrath is a black woman owned makeup company. And it's very nice also that they're encouraging people to patron that. But that should be happening all the time, not just this week or month. Like, 
save some for July, save some for August. Don't blow your load with black businesses right now because they need it all the time. Not just at this moment so that you can look like you're appeasing the community. Cause I think that's so obvious. And it's the same with the posts to me. Like you want to post about how you want to amplify that black voices. What should I do? Wait it out a little. You're one of many. Just chill. They'll be there. They're not going anywhere. And by you waiting a minute, it will actually look as if you had thought it out and created a strategy. Crazy as that may be. Right. I think that there's a balance right now because there's a need, I think, a a need from society to stand together. There is that kind of need for everybody to come together, right? Now, I do find the, the, the sources really valuable that you're talking about, meaning like lists actually do help. And I think, you know, I find I, I kind of feel like like I've been gathering this information now for years. So for me, it feels like, duh, like with Barry and Podcasting Color, like I remember when she launched. I remember when she started to put her stuff out there. And that was five years ago. I guess I forget that there's people that like for me, I'm like, duh, I've never Barry. done it before. But there's a lot of people who don't know. Right. So I get it. So there might be somebody that you can reach out to. I was going to say another experience that I had this week, which I was already planning on doing, like there's a, a, a women's network that contacted us and wanted to send us talent for our speakers. Yeah. They recently got a huge amount of funding. A huge amount of money. In fact, I oh, we're not. Yeah, we're just going to not talk about that. But we're just going to not. But the network, like when I looked, they're like, oh, here's the, our roster. There's one Hispanic woman. The rest are Whitey white whiterson. They are the whitest white chicks I've ever whited. They are like young, blonde, skinny, makeup, like West. Yes, they are so white. And I don't want to disparage that, but I was just shocked because how can you be someone who's amplifying women's voices and have 30 white shows? Like not even one that discusses, like, I was sad, so I had to write them and be like, I wrote them actually after this. I, I wrote it on Tuesday, and I haven't heard, what did I write? Yeah, Tuesday, and I haven't heard back. But as much as we appreciate this, like, I'm wondering, do you have plans to add women of color here? Did you even notice this was happening? And what are your plans? And I've not heard back at all. Actually, maybe because it was the media company that's reaching out to me, but still. Right. You got to look at some of that stuff all the time. We're being asked to speak. We're being asked to partner on a regular basis. And for the most part, when Elsie and I are asked to review something or partner with someone, I want access to the product. I don't look at their C-level executives to see who's white and who's not. I have no idea. I guess, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it involves researching the company values too. If we really want to say that we have those values and stick with them, then every time someone sends us a product, not only do I want to have access to the product, but I need to see that they employ black people or any people of color first, but black people second. To be able to see that. Yeah. It's just really hard to be able to go through all of it and you don't really see all that information. And the other thing is that I don't know, but I I actually don't know. I'm, I'm actually talking now without having an idea of what I'm saying. Good to know. You don't know. I mean, I don't know. How hard it is to switch sea level, whatever you said. What is that? Oh, C-level? it's very hard. I'm not saying fire the guy you got. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. So like that's, I, I don't know. And this is what, and, and I think that these are the conversations that are going to matter. 
how do we, right, establish either uh, steps or a strategy, uh, ex- an explicit, I'm using that word again, an explicit strategy. It's a good word of the day. To be able to shift whatever systems were there before. So if you're looking for uh, to add another executive, if you're looking for another, you know, whatever VP of whatever, if you're looking for to add, like be able to reach a company that expands the pool or for you to be able to say like, these are the stipulations that we're looking for a qualified person that matches with this kind of stuff, right? Because it does make you have to kind of step outside of your comfort zone a little bit. I don't know if I, I think I talked to you guys, to you guys about this, but it was kind of challenging for me when I was doing Sobre Podcasting, which has been in two episodes and is now still asleep and it has been not woken up. Since it began, let's just say it Yes, right let's say it's been pot-feated since I pot-started. But anyway, my whole thing around that is that I really wanted, and I still in the future, I still haven't got, well, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to make excuses for my lack of podcasting on that. But my whole intention around creating that is that I wanted all aspects of that show to be Latino-led. Particularly, I first started with El Salvadorian women. Like, that's where I got that specific. I was like, I want to support my people. I want to have that happen. So I had tons of friends who were like designers, and this person was really great. Immediately, I could have had that artwork done like that. But it took me like a month and a half to find somebody that would fit my what I wanted. But I did. I actually filled it with another El Salvadorian graphic designer, which is like amazing, amazing, right? And she did such a great job. So what I'm saying is that it's not going to be, I could have gotten that, I would have been able to hire somebody like within a day if I would have just gone with the people I know. I know great graphic designers. I could have even just gone to Jess and been like, Jess, do you know somebody? She would have been like, yeah, whatever, over here, this person. I would have slapped something together for you willy-nilly even. <laughs> but you what I'm saying wanted. is like it took longer. It was very intentional. And it was obviously this means a lot to me. It wouldn't have meant nobody's going to look at that artwork and go, oh, that's a that's a, a Salvadorian, a Salvadorian woman's probably. artwork. Right. And I, you know, and I chose not to have my face on the thing because I wanted it also to be graphically led. Um, Anyway, all I'm saying is that a lot of this work really does take a lot of time and to dismantling the processes take a lot of time. But if most of us keep bringing this up and just talking about it and making it matter, it's going to have a ripple effect. But the point is, just like we were talking about, you can't do it just in June and then July it's a whole other thing. Like, it's not happening. I will say that I'm very proud of the fact that and I'm not taking credit for anything, but I do know that years ago, we pushed podcast movement to be more diverse. And they, and they, and because of Elsie's insistence, I believe they added a track. No, they did. It, it was really fast. I just wrote something and then it was done in like hours. And then it was done. So I'm very proud of that because that show, for all its, those of you listening may be like, yeah, right, that hasn't done shit. But at least they listened and they acted. They might not be executing it to your standards, but they did it. And actually, I'm very proud of the fact that like Chris in the last week for PodFest, I've been telling him for the last two years, like every time you hire the same white guy as a speaker, you're not giving someone else a chance. Women, people of color, just any new voice. You have the same four white guys do keynotes, then like 
you're missing a lot of content. And this past week, he was like, I will never argue with you about this again. <laughs> I will never argue again. And I was like, do you see how it makes you look when you keep hiring white dudes over and over? It's not even about them being white or male. And I know that they're good speakers. It's just about the fact that, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Doesn't can't fly in a business. It can't be the reason you do things. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, that's what they said about slavery, for fuck's sake. It is it broke. You got to fix it. <laughs> I'm going to put a link in the show notes, guys, for this too. Like one show that I've been really loving, it's called Marketplace Tech. It is hosted by Molly Wood, which is somebody that I really look up to in, in, the, in the way that she creates content. She's so great. It's a really short show. It's like 10 minutes long. And it really deals specifically with tech and the tech industry, which is like something that I love. And it's really quick. She's really smart. She has like an intro, a really small interview, like super short. And then she has hot takes at the end. And this is all within 10 minutes. And you feel like you've listened to like this insanely incredible show. So she just covered the fact, not just covered, she mentioned about another episode she had done about a year ago that basically outlined that VC companies are losing about $4.4 billion by not diversifying because they are not reaching that sucks. their bases. Like they are not actually making, they're leaving $4.4 billion on the table. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk with investors with that, maybe they'll understand how when you do this with your business, it's not that you are not going to be m more successful. Like, it's not like you're going to make less money. In fact, it's going to be more appealing to more people and be able to make you more money. But it's the mindset of the, especially the people at the top, which is like incredibly dismissive. Like right away when they see something that's remotely not how they're used to, it's a no. But I'll put a link in the show notes. It's amazing. Molly Wood is a genius when it comes to, I think, as a journalist and being able to concisely put something together and not talk for like hours on end <laughs> and just like leave you going, hmm, that was very helpful. Like I, every time I listen to that show, I'm like, I love Marketplace Tech. It's a good show. It's a very good show. Today's show is sponsored by Memberful. Memberful is actually... Um, a platform that allows you to sell memberships to your audience. And it's used by some of the biggest creators on the web. Um, it includes everything you need to run a great membership program, custom branding, gift subscriptions, takes Apple Pay, you can do free trials, tons more. It works with your existing hosting. You don't need to change anything about your podcast workflow. Super easy for listeners to subscribe to your membership in their favorite podcast player. So if they're listening and you mention it, you can just say, Hey, go to here or check this button and kaboomy, they're in your membership. It is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience. And now you can have sustainable recurring revenue by selling access to a members only podcast. Check it out. Memberful.com forward slash podcasts. Memberful, M-E-M-B-E-R-F-U-L.com slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. Oh Don't forget God. the S Podcast. for sassy. For sassy. So memberful.com slash podcasts. That's fantastic. And just a note in terms of being able to build diversified streams for making money, particularly in these times, there's a lot of podcasts out there that have put all the eggs into the advertising basket. And having something like Memberful 
in your pocket, like right now to be able to future proof at any time when you can, you know what, the ads are going to go down, they're going to go up or being able to pivot a little bit into creating some more wonderful things behind a paywall because you've already established that is one of the best things that you can do for for being sustainable as a business, particularly as a podcast, because access to subscriptions, to private things is something people really, really love. And it also kind of goes against the grain of, of how media has been able to persist and is, is slowly dying, which is really based on the ad model. And if you can really allow for the communication, the building of community, investing in your community to be able to have that happen, it's going to be so incredible. So we're happy to support um, Memberful. Yay, Memberful. Yay, Memberful. Da, 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 da. Da, da, so I wanted to share with you guys, we have a little bit of um, tech gear today. I got a new light. So some of you guys who might be watching me today will might me might see me that I am not green. So I have one of those 18-inch light thingies that is bringing light to my face. I'm still in front of my window, actually. So it's it's actually, I think it's working pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. And I also got this. It is the Samsung Go Mic Mobile. Uh, I really debated whether or not I wanted to get this one, the Samsung Go Mic Mobile, or if I wanted to get the Rode. Rode has a wireless microphone as well. And one of the reasons that I ended up with this one is because you can connect that wireless microphone to almost anything. I connected it to the Rodecaster Pro. I connected it just straight into the computer. I've connected it to my iPad. I connected it to my iPhone. I can put it inside of a camera if I wanted to, a digital camera. And I'm stunned by how many places I can just plug the thing and then all of a sudden I have it. Put the link in the show notes for that too. Yeah, yeah. So it's re- it's actually really great. The only thing that I found to be kind of weird at the beginning, it didn't happen this, the other times, is that sometimes interference really gets in in it, right? Because it is a wireless microphone, so it's working off of off of the antenna and being able to connect to the device. And even when I turned it on, it immediately started to go like like this really weird sound inside my ear. But after I tested it out, I actually recorded a little video thing here in the Super Squad wanting to kind of test it out a little bit. I'm still working with volume levels on there. It's very hard to raise the gain on it without, you know, overdoing it, I guess, overmodulating it and making it a problem that's not been good. But other than that, the reason that I got it is because there's been so much virtual learning happening Nowadays, and I thought I really wanted the opportunity for me to move away from the my, from my computer to possibly point things out like on a board, like I have a big whiteboard to be able to just put it in the background and talk and point at it and teach something more that's a little bit more involved without me having to be right in front of the computer. I also wanted the option of sounding good if I wanted to go outside and maybe use some natural light and have a different place to create a video or something. Or actually, if I'm going to be recording Instagram stories, like I really wanted to be intentional about the sound of Instagram stories if I'm doing any kind of more intentional type uh, storytelling and, and whatnot. So that's what I've got now, which is kind of really fun. Let me know what you guys think of it. Yes, please do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I think that's it for us. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of She Podcasts. 
you can find us on the web at ShePodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ShePodcasts. If you want to send us an email about anything today, feedback at ShePodcasts.com. Um, and we would love to hear your emails and your thoughts about today's episode and what's been going on in our group and your group and all the things. So thank you guys so much. Truly, we love you. Mean it. Bye.